300 head of cow-calf pears moved into a harvested cornfield that had been replanted with cover crops in January. Soon after, two cows died and two more were head pressing, leaning against fence posts and the pivot wheels. What's going on in this case? Welcome to Talks Talk on Bovine Science with BCI. I'm Brad White. Happy to have Dr. Scott Fritz with us, who's our who's a toxicologist here at Kansas State College of Veterinary Medicine. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, Brad. We're happy to have you with us. And we've talked about several of these cases. Seems like a lot of the cases that you deal with present with similar clinical signs, right? So we've got some apparent head pressing. We've got some cows that were dead. And we start thinking about, are there some exposures to toxin? Because we've got 300 cow-calf pairs and having four cows affected in a pretty short period of time makes us think it's it's not just an infectious disease. There may be something else going on. So what are your thoughts in this case? Initially, I outlined some of the clinical signs, but I know a veterinarian in the field investigated this initially. What did, what did they see? So initially, I got the call. It sounded like they were putting their heads on the pivot wheels, fence posts, even other cows. And so to me, head pressing, we've talked about it before. It's a you know, a brainer problem. It's it's a polio, it's lead poisoning, or it's water deprivation, one of the three most of the time. Yeah. And so immediately you start asking questions, trying to identify some of the sources. So brand new turned into a cornfield. They probably have a hot wire around there. There's maybe access to a battery. The brassicas, or, you know, the, those are the plant species used in the cover crop, and those contain some sulfide compounds. And occasionally you will get a lot of sulfur in the green portion of those plants. And so to me, this was a polio case to start until it wasn't. Okay. So you start looking, start looking for signs of neurologic disease and polio. And then on the initial physical exam, when they went out to look at the cattle, were they showing neurologic signs? No. And that's, so I kind of ate my words in this case a little bit. The veterinarian goes out and they're, they weren't actually head pressing. They were itching and they were just rubbing their heads like crazy on the fence posts and on the pivot wheels, like I said, and it, it wasn't actually head pressing. There were no ataxy. There was no recumbency. They were just itching their heads like crazy. Huh. That's now that's unusual. <laughs> you don't see. So, th so then usually with something like lice, which you can see, especially this time of year in cows, it's not just the head and it's a lot of them in the herd, right? They're rubbing, they're rubbing on and they're rubbing on everything but they're not just rubbing their head, they're rubbing their bodies and they'll scratch on fence posts, pivots, whatever, whatever they have access to. They usually don't die. And they there usually, they, they don't ones. die with lice, right? right? We've got some dead ones, but were they missing hair on any other parts of their body or just, just head? Uh, the head and, and the neck were most severely affected, uh, which was a little bit weird, but yeah, it's, that was the main complaint. Okay. So now we've identified that maybe this is not neurological, or if so, it's a really weird neurological because it's mostly pruritus that we're seeing, alopecia. And then there was actually some, they were actually losing some skin. Yeah. So that there were, I showed you the pictures there, there were, there were some cows that had lot like the skin completely sloughed off. And the one, the most severely affected cow lost, you know, a, a volleyball sized portion of the skin right across the bridge of her face, essentially. You could see the frontal bones of the, of the sinus. Yeah. And she had actually fractured the nasal bone. So that was one we ended up with a necropsy on. And she had like a two inch fracture in the skull. From where she had been scratching. Yeah. So that, I mean, the pruritus would have to be horrible for him to 
to do that. that kind of force. Yeah, absolutely. So before, when you when you said it's neurologic, I'm going through in my head, okay, I've got a list of diagnostics I'm going to do. Uh, now I'm a little stumped. <laughs> so so what are you're going to probably do some diagnostics in this case? What do, what do you do? So in this case, we you know the veterinarian took some samples on some affected you know the ones that weren't dead. She took some blood samples, and so you know from ClinPath we were seeing there was an anemia. They were neutropenic. There were some elevations in some liver enzymes. And so now to me, when you've got all of those things, I can tie back to some liver damage. So the liver's going to affect clotting factors. You get some anemia from that. The liver enzymes elevated tells me there's some damage going on anyway. And so I can tie that together. And then trying to tie that back to sloughing skin, that's photosensitivity to me. Okay. So which would tie in with liver damage. So we're saying liver damage, or are you saying two separate things, liver damage and photosensitivity? So yeah, photosensitivity, there's, depends who you talk to, they break it down into four types. There's one that they just in cattle will ingest plants that have photoreactive compounds in them. Uh, Buckwheat, St. John's wort are the two most common you hear about. Type two is a congenital defect in an enzyme system. Uh, that's pretty rare. Type 3 is the most common. We call it hepatogenous photosensitization. So you, something damages the liver, basically makes it so cows can't digest chlorophyll correctly. They end up with an over, over presence of a compound called phyloerythrin, which will deposit next to the skin and is photoreactive. And then type 4 is, some people don't even include that. It's just where you don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that would be, I would be in that category. So type 2, we can rule out. This is not congenital. This is adult cows. Sudden onset, multiple of them with severe pruritus, right? Right. And type one was what? That's where they ingest. It's a there's a four actual plants, but buckwheat and St. John's wort are the main two. So those plants contain photoreactive compounds. But you can evaluate the pasture, and if they're not there, we yeah. can rule that out. Yeah, they were in a harvested cornfield with green turnips okay. and radishes. This turnips and radishes. So th- so it's not that. So we're left with either I don't know or something has damaged the liver and produced, and you said the compound was called what? Phyloerythrin. Phyloerythrin, which caused them to have photosensitization. Which right. when you tie that back to the ClinPath we did, they're anemic and they've got some elevated liver enzymes. So that fits to me. We just got to figure out what's damaging the liver. What's damaging the liver? Absolutely. So you had one of the one of the cows died. You did a necropsy. What'd you find on a necropsy? So the first one, she had been dead a little bit and was frozen and thawed. And so it was. it took... You know, a couple of weeks, we had another one affected. And we're able to- <laughs> so on the frozen and thawed one, you found that no, she had been frozen and thawed. Yeah. I mean, you could see yeah. the external lesions, but the rest yeah. of it. And by the time you freeze tissue and thawed, it's typically not great for Can't microscopic examination. So we had another one a couple of weeks later that was affected and we're able to get in on, you know, do a pretty robust workup on that one. And there was fairly substantial liver damage, which we expected. And then histologically, the skin lesions, it was pretty severe necrotic skin lesions, but that's what you would expect when skin sloughs, right? And so it kind of lined up, you know, and then we didn't see any lesions in the brain. So we were able to rule out the polio, which, you know, we weren't all that confident in anyway. But, you know, we did go down that road. We looked at sulfur and the turnips in the water and did a dietary sulfur and it was basically nothing. So we were able to rule that out and we're now we're pretty focused on what's going on with the liver. Okay. So trying to figure out what's happening in that liver, but we've narrowed down to this is this is the type three, regardless of what's causing the insult to the liver, this would be your type three photosensitization where we've had liver damage. And now the, I can't remember, say it again. Phyloerythrin. Phyloerythrin. What it's actually doing is causing them n- not to be able to handle the chlorophyll in the plants. 
No, so the liver's damaged, and it's what breaks down chlorophyll, and phyloerythrin is a metabolite of chlorophyll. And so they just end up with too much phyloerythrin, and it, you know, in circulation gets deposited near the skin, and it'll react with the sunlight. A really bad sunburn, essentially, is what it is. And even in the winter, which is when this was, there was enough sunlight to cause issues. And so now you're investigating what's what caused the liver damage and, and what's in that pasture. And you mentioned turnips, radish, brassicas. So what's the next step in this process? So this, this is where this one gets really out of hand. There's nothing in there that really makes sense. And so we, you know, had the county extension went out and did a pretty robust look through, you know, looking at fence lines. Is there some weed we weren't considering? Were they supplementing them with some other stored forage that we didn't know about? And we couldn't really find anything. And at this point, though, it's time to move the cows, oh, yeah. right? We don't know, or maybe they moved them before. We don't know what's causing it, but we do know that they weren't having this problem before they went into this pasture a couple of weeks ago. Now they are, or this cornfield, now they are. So we don't know what's causing it, but you've done enough stuff here to say it's something. Move them. Yeah, and I think that's you know probably the best suggestion you could ever do if you turn you know if you change management and then you have problems go back to what you were doing when you didn't have problems until you can figure it out <laughs> exactly hit the undo button i wish we had <laughs> so this one you know we ended up you know you start digging through literature and trying to see because this is not a common presentation you know the the hepatogenous photosensitization is not uncommon but the time of year and some of the other things we think about causing liver damage like blue green algae maybe aflatoxin, a bunch of other plants that they're not exposed to at this time of year. You know, we we're starting to check all those off. And so we started digging and we came up with this, this disease syndrome that has been reported fairly extensively in New Zealand and Australia. And it's called Brassica's Associated Liver Disease. Bald for Bald, the acronym because yeah. they're losing hair. You got to give them credit for that. Yeah, I don't know who thought of that, <laughs> but they deserve some sort of bonus points for that. <laughs> But so, so this that disease syndrome is related to consuming brassicas. There's some sort of hepatotoxic agent. We don't know what it is, so you can't test for it, right? And that's a frustrating thing from a diagnostician's perspective. We don't know what the toxic principle is, so there's no assay to determine it. And so you get this set of criteria to make a diagnosis, and some of those include sudden on sudden transition to brassica-based forages. Typically, it's pregnant cows. Um, usually, they're you know the dominant ones are the ones that are um, most often exposed, then you get clinical signs of photosensitization. You have some elevated liver enzymes. Uh, sometimes the liver's pale at necropsy, which we did see in the one, uh, but it's, you know, a lot of things can do that. Uh, and then they've got some fairly, you know, not really specific, but suggestive lesions in the liver and ours matched up with that case. And then after they took them out, they stopped having problems. And so there's, you know, we, we were able to check all the boxes in this case, and it's never been reported. Basically, circumstantial, circumstantial evidence has ruled out everything else. So, and this has been reported, but not, not in North America, as you just no, said. Not in North America, and it's, it's a presumptive diagnosis, no matter, because we don't have a way to make a confirmatory diagnosis. And so we were able to check a lot of the boxes in this case. Um, and, and so it's, you know, that's what we're left with. And unfortunately, this is, sometimes that's the best you can do. Yeah. So this is interesting because, and I've talked to quite a few people that have done cover crops, managed cover crops, put cattle, especially cows on cover crops and the brassicas, turnips, radishes. You see that in the wintertime because they make really good forage for grazing, especially on those, those crop fields. And, and I have not, not heard this reported. 
which I know you said it hasn't been reported here. Do you think there's something specific about this group, that crop, that, or is this something we should watch out for? You know, it's, you know, you could go down a whole bunch. There's probably, you know, the variety of whatever those plant species are, the growth conditions are grown in. There's, you know, probably some animal factors with the cows playing a role. And we don't have a good feel for that. And so in order, you know, making suggestions based on that would be a waste of time. But I, there's no way I would advocate to stop using cover crops at this point. No. You know, there's something happened in this case. And it, now that we know, you know, it's important to know any risk factor with any management tool we use. So this is just another, you know, something to look out for. And if you kick cows on cover crop and you start having problems, move them. So if you notice, if you notice that, and, and in this case, I'm going to revisit some of the main clinical signs that we saw because a little bit unusual initially reported as head pressing because that's what we see and that's what we talk about a lot but actually it was paritis head scratching so severely and sloughing not only hair but skin in this case because of the photosensitivity is that the main recap of what you'd see visually yeah and this maybe the producer so the producer actually had a polio outbreak like six months before this. And so he had seen some of those and that was his complaint. He's like, it looks the same. Uh, but then when you start digging in, it wasn't. And some of these cows get really belligerent because it, it's apparently painful. Yep. And they had one cow that they had, if they kept her outside the barn, she would try to kill everybody. If they put her in the barn, she was fine. Yeah. And so you'll see that occasionally, but again, on a, you know, they had pulled her off and brought her home. Uh, but uh, you know, a lot of times they're going to isolate themselves. They're going to be seeking the shade just because the sunlight is, irritating but so, yeah this this is a little bit one-off so prevention for this in particular we both said you, you know cover crops are a valuable tool we wouldn't change how we're using them however what we may do is if if we see something like this if you see it early and you get them off there you you should be okay or how were the rest of the how did the rest of the herd fare because their liver was affected was the liver able to make a comeback did they do okay for the rest of the group? Yeah, there was one that was more severely affected. They actually treated, and I don't know what they did for treatment, but they, you know, once they took them off, they'll, they'll be, you know, the phylloerythrin is going to go away and they'll stop being photoreactive. You may have some long-term liver damage, but at least so far, I haven't heard anything else on this one. So for the most part, I think they're going to be fine. Does it matter what color the cows are? The coat hide, hair coat color? It's a great question. So we would typically expect light, you know, unpigmented skin to be the problem. And most of this herd were all black cows. They did have you know, a handful of baldies in there. And so that last cow I just told you about, she was a, a black, white-faced cow who was affected, and she sloughed all the white portions of her skin. So it may have been their faces they were itching because they were bald-faced, or they had white, white hair coat on their face. Yeah, but not all of them. And that's, yeah. that's another thing that confused it. You know, and sometimes you'll get that unpigmented skin on the udder and they'll slough some of that too but it's not all that well reported and well described and so we've got some work to do to figure out what's going on so i think also the other interesting thing about this case as you work through it the different types of photosensitization that you talked about so the photosensitization is something that can be investigated some of those a lot of it back to plant-based causes or the congenital causes uh, and then figuring out what's going on in that case but with all of those, move them if possible, unless it's the congenital, it's not going to help, but move them if possible to get them off that affected area. Any other follow-up on this case, Scott? No, I should call back and see how they're doing. That's need to write that down. I haven't heard back on this one. And, you know, I don't expect any major long-term problems. Most of these were adult cows and 
I assume that they all bred back fine because this was again a little year ago, but okay. So any resources to learn more about this? Not this particular. There's a couple <laughs> papers, and so this we're gonna we'll publish a case report on this one at some point. So I, I'll link that on the on the BCI website once it comes out. Yeah, because you're work, you're working on a case report that that hopefully will have some pictures, some descriptions of this case in more detail. So if veterinarians want to learn more, they can log on and get that. We'll get that linked whenever it's published. Absolutely. Excellent. Thanks, Scott. You bet. Thanks.